Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Or Or goodbye if it's your last time. Yeah, Uh, we're a podcast about craft beer and film, and my name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny, Johnny Summers. You're hearing from us on a rainy, rainy, rainy day in Chico. We've uh, had a couple power outages throughout the day. Um, It's December, mid-December. It's a little chilly. It's a little holiday-esque. And uh, we're excited. If you've never heard the show before, we cover two craft beers and one movie. We do not spoil the movie without giving you plenty of heads up, so don't worry about that if you have yet to see The Crimes of Grindelwald, the second uh, installment of the series of what is going to be five movies uh, sequeling or prequeling Harry Potter films. That was a movies. long way to say I was that. trying to get the whole run-on <laughs> sentence thing really tied together. Yeah. So uh, that's how we do. Now yeah. let's drink some beer. Let's drink some beer. And you want to talk about this? You you picked out our beer. Uh, well, you brought both, but we had an audible for our, our last beer, which if you read the description, you already know what it is. But uh, the first beer I have never heard of, nor have I had, obviously. Um, so what is it? It's called Mr. Bigglesworth. It is an ESB from Altamont Brewing out of Livermore, California. Yeah, ESB. If you're style not, bitter. Sorry, exactly. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I was going to say that. I was trying to no. help. Yeah. <laughs> I know very, like, I, that's all I know is that I know what it stands for. Yeah. Well, that's half the battle. Sure. You got to know the acronyms. Uh, this is a true British style ESB using ang- English all malts. Yep. Yeah. Words are hard. I'm going to read in the can, guys. The lighting in here is weird. I have to tilt it. <clears throat> all English malts, hops, and yeast. Be prepared to be absolutely chuffed. By the smooth flavors and slightly roasty notes, finishing with a balanced caramel-like sweetness. That's great. Are you you chuffed? Yeah, chuffed means very pleased, by the way, just so everybody knows. I'm dead chuffed. I feel feel like it's a very British kind of slangy word. So now you know, chuffed. I like (laughs) it. I'm going to incorporate that. Yeah, C-H-U-F-F-E-D. Chuffed. Chuffed? Chuffed. 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 It actually like says like chuffed. Chuffed? Chuffed. Chuffed. So anyways. Say it like a kiwi. Chift, yeah. Chift. Yeah. <laughs> Doug's did. So I'm excited for this, man. I, I, I'm I a big fan of ESBs. I had a few when I was in England last year. Are these glasses clean? They are clean. Okay. Um, They might be a little bit, uh, you know, dusty. I don't, they're not dusty, but what is it like when you get like a water, it's water stain, I guess. Point is. That's totally dust, man. All right, whatever. Then bring it on. <laughs> ESBs are good. Yes. Had them in London. Uh, and throughout England a little bit last year, and they're always poured at like room temp. Makes sense. Um, yeah, and I'm a big fan, so I'm looking forward to trying this one. Um, I will say that they're not always the most what you might call flavorful beers, but uh, they might be great. Are you trading me glasses? <laughs> that one's filthy. <laughs> it's got little bubbles, and I know that's if we're being beer. You might as well explain why that's filthy. Yeah, the bubbles stick to the side of the glass, indicating that there's some dirt or soap. Or it hasn't been, like, rinsed. Yeah. That's a big reason people rinse their glasses. Because I think when you don't rinse a glass, just naturally what happens to dry things is there's, you know, resistance. There's schmutz. That bubbles stick to. You got schmutz on your glass. Schmutz. But I am chef nonetheless. Uh, You're smelling this. Have you had this before? I have not. Uh, I bought it mainly because there was a naked cat smoking a cigarette on the can. Yeah. With a, yeah. With and tattoos. If, tattoos. You, if you nerds haven't followed us on it, uh, Untapped, you better, because I'm going to post a picture of this beer. Sure. And you can look at it. Yep. And then be jealous that so you're not drinking it. Where'd you get it? I got this at Spikes. Lovely. Yeah. How much did it cost? Oh, Ballpark. Four or five bucks. Okay. Somewhere in there. It's a pint also. It's in a pint can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really pleased. Well, that's quite nice. Yeah. I think it's real mellow. Um, I might even let it warm up a little bit more. It's totally. been sitting out for like 30 minutes, but I think it could be nicer, even a little bit uh, less cold. Would it chuff you to top it off? Yeah, please. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good slide, by the way, across Thank you. the table. I'm here to here to help sling some burgers. No, this is nice, man. It pours a rich, rich mahogany. I think uh, you just like saying rich mahogany. I love saying rich mahogany. Because I would definitely call this more of like a more of like a brown wooded i know mahogany is wood like a like a toasted amber yeah i feel like mahogany kind of definitely gives more of a uh, like a burgundy type look to it and maybe it's just hold it up to the light it's pretty burgundy man it's got some of that going maybe like a a toffee sort of yeah shade to it like a civil war era fireplace mantle sure 
Uh, it doesn't hold a lot of head retention here. It's just kind of just dissipate a little bit around the edges to a nice creamish colored head, I think. Yeah, it's gently carbonated too. It's not very yeah. abrasive, which is good because if it was, it'd be like, ah. Yeah, I feel like, well, that's... Um, that's a descriptor I use now. Ah. How do you spell that? A... Mm -hmm. A A couple A's C H K K Z yeah sure um, I feel like these are like the more carbonated a beverage is the harder it is to take like a gulp of yeah um, and I feel like these beers traditionally are like I was saying like serve very room temp and um, in larger servings mm -hmm. like you don't get an eight ounce pour of this it's a full pint yeah. usually because um, usually these beers are very low ABV yes. And I was actually just trying to grab the can unsuccessfully to oh, check. You only spilled a couple drops. Just a couple drops. Uh, but it's 5.2%. So, yeah, right in line with a drinkable. See, for me, this beer. Sorry, I totally just cut you That's I didn't have. I didn't know where I was going. Totally so drinkable beer. There you go. Yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, this beer is perfect for this time of year, particularly like the day we're having. Because I have the beers for the next two episodes in my fridge. And like these were the beers that were like, well, this one, because we yeah, audible right, the second right. one. Um, but this beer is uh, really just, it's round and soft. Like if a beer could hug you, like this beer hugs me. It hugs my mouth. Yeah, it's it's it, real smooth, man. It's comforting. It's like comfort food if comfort food had a beer form. Yeah, and I don't mean to steal that transition, but like it feels really bready. Mm -hmm. bread's, a, bread's a pretty no, good totally. comfort food. But it's a real bready. Um, definitely got some caramely notes to it. Um, not in a sweet way, but more of just kind of a, yeah, like a bread um, maltiness to it, yeah, that I find quite enjoyable. Absolutely, the, the the caramely mixes with that malty, and it's just, and it's not too much of anything. It's really soft and approachable. Um, this is a beer that people that don't like craft beer would probably like. Uh, I've converted a few people with like brown ales and ESBs, like right. my dad in particular. What did he drink before that? Uh, as a Coors Light guy. Interesting, because so. I was going to say this seems kind of bold for a like a. a lager like an import lager drinker to go for kind of um i don't know it's just it doesn't have the bitterness of like an ipa that's true and that's what scares most people off from craft beer is like the the sharp bitterness that's just a shock to your palate yeah so something like this you could give somebody and be like it's not bitter it's not sour yeah it's it's just a drink it's different yeah, yeah. whereas i think if you give like some people would make an easy transition between a coors light and a pilsner Sure. Uh, similar, maybe maybe Pilsners are a little bit more yeah. of the flavors that they might relate to from a Coors Light or a Corona. And the color, too. That sure. helps. That helps people a lot. Yeah, you eat and drink with your eyes first. But I think this is a really good way to bridge the gap into different styles, mm -hmm. especially if you're getting into craft beer. Totally. This is a gateway gateway hug for your mouth. Yeah. yeah. We should write that in the notes. Gateway hug for your mouth. Yes. Okay. That's we'll a try great line. Come on. But I was going to say, similarly, like a, a decent stout would be a nice bridge for say a Guinness, like some, because Guinness is readily available almost mm -hmm. anywhere these days, yeah. all days, forever. That's mm -hmm. what makes it so popular. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think this is, this is to uh, a good stout what Guinness is to Coors Light. Sure. I could see that. Yeah, no, man, I, I love this beer a lot. I'm, I've said it many times on the show in the past that I really gravitate towards this style. Uh, so I was really stoked to get this just because of the style and I would like to see how Altamont pulled it off and they did a really, really good job. And also I have to mention the the can sure. and the shout out to Mr. Bigglesworth from uh, Austin Powers. Is that uh, Dr. Evil's cat? Yeah. Okay. Cool. He looked like that. He was right. just a big naked cat. Just, yeah, like a hairless. Ugh. They're so cute. Are, you think they're cute? Like actually, do you think oh, they're cute? Oh, I love them. I want one, but they're like two grand. Really? Because so you could get any cat to look like that with much less money, I think. Yeah, but then you have to like just constantly be what? shaving them. Dude, you get home, you and your cat have a five o'clock shadow. Right. That's Dude, I don't know, man. I fantasized about shaving our cats because of my allergy. Mm. I would it would be great. Like I'd have to adjust. Like twerk my blind cat wouldn't obviously know the difference, but I would. Well, you could shave them down, not like to the skin, just with like a, a one yeah, attachment like, yeah. on a hair buzzer. Yeah. And they would shed a lot less. And if they did, the hairs would be like. Yeah. It, I, that's really tempting to me. Like they're indoor cats. They're not going to get cold. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Right. I don't. That's a good question. Let's I don't. Hey, let's shave your cats after this. I Gianna's said we can't. And she, like anytime I ask her animal stuff and she says no, I'm just like, all right, well, she knows something I don't because she works with animals. Yeah. So there's probably a reason. I guess. Maybe. I. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's look into it. Deal. Anyways, uh, so I love this beer. I want to throw out the caveat too, real fast. That I said, I said English style bitter, uh, which I believe to be correct. But I guess sometimes ESB can also stand for extra special bitter, mm -hmm. and I'm not totally positive in this case what it is. Nor, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not the exact same thing. But 
Um, if that's not the case and you're listening right now and can tell me the difference, please let me know. Cause I'd like to not be, I'd like to be smarter. So I think both are appropriate. I think, but both. like interchangeable, you think? I think so. Why do you think that? Uh, I've heard them interchangeable. Yeah. It's, like, it's just maybe just cause of the frequency I've heard it. Um, but who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's, let's rate this thing. This is a, a really, really good beer for me. Um, I am definitely biased by personal preference, just being a huge fan of this style. Uh, I love it. I will go back and probably buy a four-pack of this if they have more because it was reasonably priced. It's very good. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Wow. Yeah. This okay. is one of the best styles of or examples Rep, yeah. of this style I've ever had. And for it to be done from a brewery in California makes me even happier. Yeah. Um, and so much of beer is uh, setting and day and mood. And like, yeah. this beer's hitting me just right right now. It's good. really good, man. I needed a mouth hug. Yeah, man. Um, so I guess what's keeping it from being a 10 is my first question. And my second question, just out of curiosity, is other ESBs that you enjoy? Give me like one. Oh, shoot. There's been a few. There's one from Berryessa called Whippersnapper, I oh, believe. Oh, is that an ESB? Yeah. And I always th- see it around, and I'm never sure. Like, it just says it. I'm like, I don't want that. It's really good. Okay. Uh, and then there's there's a couple that are actually from England that you can get as imports. Uh, I want to say one's like well, not Wells. Um I'd recognize it if I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's like a blue label. It looks pretty cool. Um, that is one that you're Googling now. I've never had it, but I've heard it's pretty much one of the gold standards. Yeah, so I pulled up Bluebird Bitter from Conison Brewing, which is also uh, not in America. It's from England. Um, and I I tried this once, and it was fantastic. I actually brought a bottle back from – it was at Craft. Okay. I only buy beer a couple places. Um, so I brought one back from Craft, and it, had, it was like a – I think it was like a $5 bottle. Oh, that's um, so cheap. Yeah, and it's like if you consider the import cost. And it was like – I think it's a pint bottle. Will you bring me that if you ever sure. find it? Yeah, or I think like it was tough to get. Cool ESBs yeah. that you see. But it was so good, man. It was like super smooth, not overwhelming in any sense. Mm-hmm. Everything was really well balanced. So, yeah. But I didn't mean to cut you off. What's keeping this from a 10? I would like to see just a bit more smoothness and sweetness. I think it could be just a hair more caramely mm-hmm. with that, like that soft caramel just finish. Um, but. Other than that, it's perfect. And that would only be like such a minuscule improvement that yeah. would push it to 10. Okay. But for me, there is definitely a couple of things that I'd want to see made better. But like, it's hard to be critical of a beer that I enjoy so much. Right. And to know? some extent, like the criticisms you're describing are mostly personal. Yeah. Like, exactly. Just, and maybe that's not what the brewers wanted to do. So yeah. you can't really hold that against them too much. Exactly. This so could be a that. 10 for the guys that yeah, made it. Right. And that's fine. And it's damn near a 10 for me. I can, can't recommend it enough. Max, what did you think? I'm going to go 7.5 because I, I think this is very good. It's not a beer that really excites me. I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't use that description, so it's going to not be in the 9 and higher range for me. Okay. Um, but it is really, really solid. I would love a little bit more of kind of like a spicier kind of note to it. Mm. Um, I'm getting a little bit, just a hair too much sweetness, and I'd love more of the the malty breadiness plus a little bit of, um, I'm thinking of like a little back burner of like pepper and just random spiciness that I would okay. like a holiday type spice. And I would love more of that. Um, but in general, super good beer. I'm very stoked you brought this. So thank you. Most excellent. Yeah. Um, so that's Mr. Bigglesworth. You can find it at Spikes or other places that sell fine craft beer wherever you live. Yeah. We're getting a lot of Altamont distro here in Butte County. Yeah. So you hit up your, your favorite craft bottle shop. Uh, they should have it around. If they don't ask them to get some in because yeah. Altamont's good stuff. And, yeah. uh, they're good people out there. I've been to the brewery a few times. They're they're good folks that make good beer in there. Worthy of support. Sure. What say you? We transition out of this first beer. Yeah. So I've had a I've had a fun week of movie watching. Um, yeah. This, I've watched several movies. What's got you hot and minus, bothered? Minus the one for today's episode. Yeah. I've rented a lot of movies. So are we just gonna out you and say that right now? I was actually debating not doing it, but I've clearly started. I wasn't gonna let you get away with yeah. that. So yeah, no, I um I didn't watch Crimes of Grindelwald. We'll talk about that more probably yeah, once uh, we get to the movie. But what you mean probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. What I did watch. Uh I know that you probably want to talk a little bit about, about Mandy, the Nicolas Cage film. Yeah. Uh by uh what's his name? Yep. Eros Lanthimos or something. Sure. Uh pretty iconic director for doing like real um, picturesque metal type vibey movies. Um, so I watched Mandy. I'd like to talk about that. I also watched a film that's been on my list for quite a while called Amelie. It's a French, uh, romance film. The movie is really good. Okay. You've seen it. It's yeah. great. It, it left me feeling so happy. Right. Um, it's just goofy and surreal and weird. Didn't take itself too seriously. No, yeah. not at all. Um, and it, there is like some, for me, a little bit of, uh, sort of like a culture loss. Like I didn't get some of the jokes, 
Um, and I always think when there's a movie in subtitles, you kind of get taken out of the acting experience a little bit because you're having to read and keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and most notably, I think I watched David Lynch's Blue Velvet for the first time, uh, which I believe is a film you have not seen, but I would recommend you seeing it. Yeah, refresh me on it a little. I might have seen it. I can't. It's it's like. Can you show me like the poster sure. of it? Yeah. So David Lynch is is the man who brought you such films as Mulholland Drive, um, The Elephant Man, Eraserhead, like really weird avant-garde artsy films. And many people regard Blue Velvet as his like crowning achievement. And it's, um, you know, it's one that I've been aware of for a really long time. It came out, I think, like 30-something years ago at this point. Um, and it's so weird. Yeah. Um, and this is actually one occasion where I, I didn't know anything about the movie and I didn't read anybody's opinions on it. Shocking. I somehow avoided that. I know, uh, before seeing it. No, cause I usually do. Like I try to get a vibe for what I'm going into and I didn't cause I knew this one was one that I should just go in blank. And my reaction after watching it the first time, it clearly went over my head. And, um, so I was basing my first essentially review just on like visceral enjoyment of the movie. That's good. And there was none. Oh. I hate this movie. Really? Um, since since watching it last night, I've I've read a bunch about it and I have more respect for it now, but I want to remember how I felt after watching it. It's not a pleasant movie to watch. Uh, you tell people you're going to watch Blue Velvet and there's a lot of like, all right, be prepared, like mm. buckle up, drink some alcohol. Kind of like the same thing with like a Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, David Lynch has this sort of aesthetic of doing like these dreamlike type movies where things don't necessarily make sense, but you don't question it. And it's really fascinating as a viewer because you don't question it at the time, but you realize something's weird. It's like being in a dream. And you, it's like when you wake up, you're like, that was strange. Why didn't I realize it was so weird at the time? Cause you're dreaming and mm-hmm. that's how your brain works. And he has this really cool way of tapping into the unconscious mind of a viewer. And I think to some extent, it's just his unconscious mind being projected onto the screen. Um, but very, very, very weird movie. Um, I'd like, like it's packed with symbolism and, um, some of it, obviously I am not understanding yet, but I've been ruminating on it for like, I don't know, 18 hours or something. And it definitely sticks with you. Um, you can't talk about this movie without talking about Dennis Hopper's character. Um, uh, just over the top, crazy lunatic, violent (laughs) sadist, like (laughs) real nuts. Um, so if there's anybody listening that is, uh, called themselves maybe a cinephile or an enjoyer of fine films and you haven't seen blue velvet like Johnny, that I, could be me. I would recommend watching it. It's something you have to see to, you know, just, you have to see it. It's one of those movies. Fair. Um, so that's, that's where I was at. I, uh, I, I also watched the other one it was called hot summer nights. It was Timothy Chalamet. Um, he, you've probably seen previews. It's an A24 film. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets into selling drugs in, I think it's like the East coast there. And um, where was it? You know, the East coast kind of near Maine. And uh, things get a little bit crazy and shenanigans happen. I did not like that movie as much. Actually, I shouldn't say as much because I didn't like Blue Velvet. But um, I had a lot of high hopes for that movie. And there were a lot of things I did like. Overall, I think it kind of fell apart. But it's on uh, Amazon Prime. So check it out. All right. That was my week. All right. That's fair. I think uh, I have a movie as well. Hit me. Uh, I just watched a movie. It is on Netflix now. And it's called Hostiles. Oh, you just saw that? Yeah. Didn't we see that in theaters? No. I just saw it without you. Uh, obviously, because I just watched it for the first time. That's intense. Dude, so good. Yeah. Uh, director Scott Cooper, 2017 film. Uh, what's that dude's name? Christian, Christian Bale. Christian Bale. And a bunch of people you'd recognize. Yeah. Uh, a bunch. Uh, what? That's that one dude oh. that was in uh, a couple episodes of Black Mirror is in it. Oh, man. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. Anyways. This movie was really, really interesting on like multiple layers. Uh, yeah. It was kind of a, a character study, but also it was a huge commentary on uh, post-Civil War race relations between white settlers and Americans and Native Americans. Uh, and also there was uh, quite a bit of dealing with mental health in like the post-Civil War era, yeah, just which like- was like super... Not taboo, but definitely like not talked about. It's like PTSD kind of stuff. Too. Yeah, yeah, PTSD and and suicide and all kinds of stuff. And it was all set in this just amazing backdrop of just rural Montana. Yeah, in there that was area. beautiful shots in that movie. So pretty. Like, and this was one of the, those movies that hit all the marks for me. It had great acting, great performances, a really great story. Um, I really liked the arc of the plot of this movie and. 
it, it was beautiful to look at. Like this movie just checked pretty much every box for me. I mean, I cried a couple times. It was super powerful. Um, definitely a worthwhile movie to watch. Yeah, man. It's I think I'm, it's probably worth warning. Like it's a really violent movie. Like there's yeah. some hard stuff to watch in there. Um, but yeah, I think overall, like Christian Bale does a really good job. He's just stereotype Christian Bale, like really committed to his method acting there. Mm-hmm. And um, not a person you would want to bump into uh, in the wild west probably, but very intense nonetheless. I think it's probably worth pointing out Rosamund Pike is in this also. Um, she plays the widow of, uh, she was really good. Yeah. Of somebody who's been murdered and, and yeah, like the commentary on kind of the dynamics between, um, you know, United States soldiers and native Americans is, uh, is hard to watch sometimes, but I think, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think gratifying by the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of personal growth and, uh, some putting by the waysides of, uh, stereotypes and prejudice and just blatant racism. So yeah, overall, I mean, it's a very visceral movie. Uh, it's on the long side at two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, I watched it in several chunks. I would like to sit down and watch it as a whole, but it held up in chunks. I really, really, really liked it. I'm a sucker for a Western too. Yeah. Like anything said in that time period, I really enjoy so, yeah, man, it was good. Well, cool. What do I say we go to a break, come back and talk about the crimes of Grindelwald? Yeah, and that will segue into what's got me bothered because I'm the only one that watched the movie. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hello and happy holidays. If you are listening to this the day that it comes out, December 17th, you should go down to Secret Trail because, as you know, they do a Explorer series every single Monday with an awesome one-off beer. This week, they're doing a beer called Eldo Juice, and it is a pale ale that is single hopped with a ton of Eldorado hops. They use like five pounds per barrel. It's ridiculous. It's hazy. It's going to be delicious. Tell them a little bit more, Max. So they only have eight gallons of it, and they are open from three to nine every Monday, but they're not filling growlers until after 7 p.m. So go on out to Secret Trail at 132 Meyer Street. Get your hands on this Explorer Series beer. It's going to be fantastic. And follow Secret Trail on social media at Secret Trail Brewing Co. Live and drink off the beaten path. Address. What's that? A safe house in Paris. Why would I need a safe house in Paris? Should things at some point go terribly wrong, it's good to have a place to go. You know, for a cup of tea. My brothers. My sisters. The clock is ticking faster. My dream. We who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me. Or die. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Dumbledore, why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. You don't suffer from motion sickness, see? I don't do well on boats. You'll be fine. Do you know why I admire you, Nick? You do not seek power. You simply ask, is the thing right? The time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. What are you going to do? I think it's something. Mute, you never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him. In an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans of raising pure blood wizards to rule over all non magical beings, Albus Dumbledore enlists his former new student, 
Uh, unless his former student, Newt Scamander, who agrees to help, unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Lines are drawn as love and loyalty are tested, even among the truest friends and family in an increasingly divided wizarding world. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> That's uh, an internet synopsis of The Crimes of Grindelwald. I couldn't have said it better myself. Good Neither job, internet. Stole it from, yeah, the internet. Uh, this film was released on November 16th. It runs two hours and 14 minutes. My God, that sounds long. Uh, rated PG-13. It was made on a production budget of $200 million. And as of December 16th, my sister's birthday, shout out Bailey, that's today. Uh, it has made $151,653,410 estimated. So, like we said earlier, uh, I didn't see this movie. Johnny, let me have it. If you are going to lay into me, let's get it out on the table. Well. Get me out on the table. All right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't see the movie. I didn't see the movie. And it's because of what other people think. It's also because of what I thought of how it looked. Based but on what other based people Based on trailers. Think. Yeah. And then it was confirmed by what I read. Okay, so what about the trailers made it look like anything other than a Harry Potter movie, like the last one? It didn't look fun like the last one. The last one, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, was magical and fun and happy and explored themes of like, uh, not redemption, but um, uh, acceptance maybe. This one seemed like it didn't have that, and it looked really dark and kind of uh, like didn't seem like it dealt with any of the things that the other movie had set up. And then I read that all of that was kind of true, and I was like, well, I'm also tired and it's noon, so I'll get up, I guess, now. And I was going to see it today, and I was going to push us into recording later. And then you've said in the past that sometimes it's more fun when one of us doesn't see the movie, and I thought, Johnny will be on board with me not seeing this movie. I actually did suggest so it. So all these, and I don't actually like that plan, but when it works in my favor, I can't argue. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like if you were like, I don't want to see the movie, I'd be like, are you serious, man? Like, yeah. take this podcast. Like, seriously. you suck, dude. But if, if it's your plan you like, then I, you know. You know, it does make for more interesting conversation because I will have to sell you this movie. Yeah, now. and so, so if you're asking, that was my thought process. I'm not seeing it today. I'm medium okay with it. All right. I question your motivation somewhat. That's fine. But, if, yeah. I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it, but it bums me out when people just don't see movies because I know it does. Critics yes. don't like it because yes. I don't even watch trailers hardly. Well, that's you know, the big like, difference. I like, yeah, like that's part of what makes this podcast cool, but it's also part of what annoys me about you. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> it's just that it's just in people in general, not to pick on you, but when people go off of what critics say instead of just seeing a movie and then deciding for themselves. Well, so I would, I would argue that like a, a good critic can be or like because it's not like i just go on the internet and find like well, this is what all these random people are saying like, I, th I think i said about widows that a lot of critics who i read and respect a lot and have kind of learned like i try to figure out whose opinions i share a lot of the time mm -hmm. like i base a lot of what i see on that and i was saying or even if you listen to the hot and bothered section like i've been watching a lot of movies this week and increasingly mm -hmm. more in my life yeah and it just gets it's more of a bummer when i see a movie that is just a waste of my time sure which sounds pretentious but I kind of feel that way. But also, if you want to be on the same level as the critics you respect, you have to see the movies. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's Because they point. all watched it. Yeah, that's a good point. So then you figure out if you actually sure, share their sure. sentiment. So I hear you, uh, and but, I agree. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. Because if yeah. I took the time to figure out what critics whose opinions I shared and respected and had similar thoughts towards movies, I might get some more ideas for movies that I wouldn't normally watch because totally. I know we have similar tastes. So that is a double-edged sword, but I mean, at the end of the day, you have to pick what you want to watch and yeah. everyone's got different reasons. So I saw it and I really friggin' liked it. Okay. Why? It was entertaining. It was engaging. Uh, the plot was a little bit more uh, advanced and kind of had a bit more ins and outs than the first one. So it kind of felt like more geared towards grown-ups in just the the overarching plot. Uh, I really love all the creatures. I love the way that Harry Potter movies make me feel. Just hearing the music and all the cool creatures. Um, you're immersed in a world where anything's possible and a, a drinking fountain can become an elevator to an underground secret place. And um, this movie's just, all of them, from the first Harry Potter to the last Fantastic Beasts to this one, really just uh, immerse you in, in this world. And I really enjoy the depth of fiction that these movies take place in. Uh, I love high fantasy movies in general. And I'd love to see more of them as a consumer. So this being one of my favorite genres of film, I'm going to cut it more slack. Um, but this movie entertained me. It made me laugh. There was some interesting character development. There was some fun new creatures. There was maybe my favorite creature 
in out of a lot of them that just looked the coolest was in this movie. Was it the seahorse by chance? The seahorse. I heard there was a seahorse made of like seaweed. Maybe that, I'm that thing out. was cool. Okay, but it wasn't that. It was this big uh, Chinese, like it was kind of like a food dog, but it was um, like it was like half like lion, half. Um, like beta fish almost. It oh, had weird. this like 50 foot long beta fish tail that was like like velvety looking. It was yeah. so cool. So, I mean, I like this movie for the way it made me feel. The The entertainment value, it was very fun to look at. It was a bit darker and more serious, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like these movies are growing up as like the kids that they're geared towards to, are growing up. Yeah, that was like one of the big things that I, me and I think a lot of people really respected about the Harry Potter movies is like, the movies totally got way more intense. Oh, dude, those last two, like, yeah, super right. dark. Yeah, like the first time somebody died, and then we was like, oh, all right, whoa, it's not. Yeah, we're not at. Yeah, what's the? We're not holding the philosopher's stone anymore. Exactly, he's holding our stones. Mm-hmm. He's gripping tight, gripping tight. So yeah, I mean, just overall, for a lot of reasons, I, I like this movie. I, I mean, so it wasn't a perfect movie, but it was definitely an entertaining, fun time at the theater. Okay, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I have a few questions and all mostly based on what I've read. And I'd be curious to hear your, your take on some of this, but like even reading through that trailer that we read, like Grindelwald's plans of raising pure blood wizards, like beer, mm. um, like it's seen. And given like the tone that I got from this film, um, just from the trailers, like it feels like there might've been some heavy handed, like, um, I mean like Grindelwald is a blonde fake blue eyed, but like you could draw some lines to Aryan race, like, racism type stuff oh for sure is he was pretty... a, he was a very hitler-like character sure. and he was uh, albino so okay. he wasn't like okay, just, sure. just blonde yeah um but yeah no it was definitely that like totalitarian uh fascism there was elements of very distinct racism between uh non-magical people right and even magical people that didn't think the same way as him so i right. mean it was very very divisive and uh yeah and was, do you do you think that was an effective thing or do you think it was maybe more heavy-handed and uh maybe simplistic uh it was a dumbed down simplistic uh it was distilled yeah to a maybe young teenager's perspective maybe a little bit more one-dimensional definitely yeah i mean you didn't really get a lot of insight into grindelwald's motivation yeah that know? was that was another question i had so like you have johnny depp playing a character that could probably just by looking at him have fit very neatly into a um, Bad Tim, guy. Bur- Tim Burton movie or a Tim Burton movie. And, but I think when he plays villains and or when he plays characters at all in those movies, he's a little bit more animated and, and a little bit more eccentric. And I'm wondering here if he, if he played that type of character or more of like a um, c- kind of singly focused villain. And if, if his approach was effective to you. Yeah, he was definitely not the extravagant um, over, over the top Johnny Depp that I was expecting and kind of cringing at. Hoping it wasn't like that. Like, I don't need to see the dude from the Pirates of the Caribbean casting spells. Uh, I think it was definitely toned back quite a bit. He was kind of a more serious villain type creature. Um, Yeah, I don't think it was very overdone at all. And I think it worked for the character. Yeah, I think some of the most effective things that I saw just on, I've seen like a couple little clips from the movie at this point, like just from extended trailers and that sort of thing. And the most effective that I saw him is when he was kind of doing that like, Johnny Depp brooding thing, but he's got those piercing eyes and that look where he's like looking at somebody. It's just really like a chilling, mm-hmm. like he's got a real strong persona and presence really on, on the screen, at least from what I saw. Yeah. And he definitely went a bit more methody yeah. than, um, than over the top with the mannerisms and stuff, which is, it was good. You yeah. Know? And like within the first like five minutes of being him being on screen, he like kills a whole family. Yeah. It was just like, Whoa. Okay. So this guy's really rude. And Muggles? it was, What's that? Or no matches? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was crazy. He played a good villain. Yeah. The other thing that I was uh, a little bit hesitant about, um, or at least thought that if I had seen it, maybe would have gotten a little bit taxing, was like Eddie Redmayne's portrayal of Newt Scamander. Endearing, I think, especially in the first movie when he gets to kind of play the the Jane Goodall of magical creatures. Like he's, he's kind of shy and like mutters a lot. Um, but I was curious if the darker tone of this movie, if, if that's still, assuming he portrayed a similar character in this, like if he was still shy and, and coy, like did, did that get old ever? Like him just kind of muttering about no. and, like, stuttering around. What's her face? Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't think of it. Queenie's Tina. her sister, right? Tina. Tina. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. No, man. I think um, his character developed quite a bit since the last movie. He had to be a bit more assertive in this, a bit more take charge and kind of get business handled type. Uh, there were definitely those moments, but that was just the, 
personality trait of that character, but right. I think it wasn't overdone to a fault. Okay. I think it was peppered in nicely because he, he's still growing and not the same person. So it wasn't just heavy-handed awkwardness, which the first one kind of was, but you were yeah. just getting introduced to that character. And to some extent, I think it was played in the first one, at least as comic relief, like mm-hmm. his his kind of attraction to her. And then um, what is the fella's name, his friend? Um, I'm trying to find it here, but I oh, can't. Oh, the bigger dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, he had the bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't quite find him for some reason. Maybe I can find the full cast list in a second. But similar vibes that he and um, Tina's sister had, like mostly comic relief. Were they in this? Yeah, definitely. And was it kind of a similar thing they were providing for the audience, just comic relief and A little bit. Um, uh, Queenie, her character, took a very, very interesting twist. Uh, I won't give it away because it's spoilery. Sure. But yeah. Okay, so Dan Fogler is who plays, his name's Jacob Kowalski. Yeah, and he was kind of just the hapless yeah. sidekick. Yeah. You know, that's the nomad, the non-magical person that's kind of just there to, to say silly things and be right. a goober. You know, and it, it, it works for the most part. I also want to talk, how, how do you feel uh, Jude Law did portraying a young Albus Dumbledore? And um, did you pick up on implications that, well, I think it was stated pretty blatantly that he and Grindelwald had a past Um Knowing if you do know this about like Dumbledore's suggested sexuality, did it seem like maybe they had a sexual history as lovers? Because that's what I've read a little bit. And I think J.K. Rowling has said in an interview that, yes, they used to like date or something. And that's why Dumbledore couldn't go do this himself. It definitely was kind of alluded to. I definitely picked up that vibe for yeah. sure. Do you think they would have explored it more if this were not maybe such a widely accepted quote unquote family franchise? No, I think... um that that will get explored more in this in the next movie. Okay. Um, so then there was a kid in the first one um, named uh, Credence. Credence, yeah, mm-hmm. Barebone, played by Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. Was he in this as well? I oh see, yeah, he's on the crowd. I just didn't know. I, I can't remember how his character ended in the last movie. He was supposed to have died, right? But he did. Spoiler not. alert: Clearly, he didn't. Is that a big spoiler? In this no, movie? I'm yeah. joking. Okay. Because yeah, because he was like a he was a. Uh, Possessed. It was like by the a, uh, not anamorph or having a flashback to when we couldn't remember this word in that episode. Yeah, I remember Endo- writing it ectomorph? down. No, it's no. like O C C. Oh, that's so funny. I remember like we talked about this a year and a half Click ago. On Credence. All right. Oxid. Oh shoot. Yeah. Occidental. No, it's like that though. Why are you scrolling so fast? Sorry, my eyes go quickly. Jesus. Um. Daggummit. Well. Sorry about that. Nobody can hear it, but we can hear it. So I apologize for that. Forgot to move that music. That made no sense to anybody. <laughs> that was my bad. That's fine. Um, yeah, he was. The point is, in Fantastic Beasts, he was like possessed by this dark spirit. He's got creature. crazy weird power, and it was gonna like blow him up or something. Yeah, he didn't die. Uh, so he's in this movie. What is he? What's his role here? He's kind of uh, searching for his parents. I think that's the main thing. He gets caught up in like a, a circus sideshow type thing. Uh, and everybody's looking for him because he's got this great power. And uh, Grindelwald's kind of looking for him. Kind of so, like weaponize him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what's his nuts? Newt. Yeah. And they, basically everyone else, all the good people are trying to find him so they won't get to him. You know? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Is that a pretty big part of the movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, so so the idea is that the Newt's commander goes and has to stop Grindelwald from doing his evil thing. Yeah, and that's part of him stopping him is preventing him from getting to Credence. Right. So what is what is what is uh, Grindelwald's plan to like wipe out or at least dominate non magic people? Like, uh, pretty it? much uniting all of the wizards and basically getting assembling an army. You know, sure. essentially. Getting everyone turned on his side and 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 like killing them or just just ruling them. The, he goes into it a little bit. Like he's not going to kill everyone. Basically, he says that they need um, even like something about needing pack mules or work horses. Oh, I see. So like obviously not going to kill everyone. Just enslave them possibly. Right. So, kind of your your, your classic you know, world domination psychopath. Right. Hell yeah. bent on. Was there like a monologue of him explaining this? Not. Really? Shoot, I wish there would have been. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, in pieces here and there. Right. There, there Actually, there was a monologue. Was there? Yep. <laughs> Just remembered. Cool, great. Nope, there was definitely a monologue. There's an obscurial, by the way. Obscurial. Yep. Such a cool word. Such a cool word. Can't ever remember it, but obscurial. very cool word. Obscurial. Obscurial. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like there was a time where he almost looked into the camera and was like, and this is how I will do it. 
twirl a mustache. No, it wasn't so much that. It was yeah. uh, at the biggest assembly. He got like all the wizards together that were on his side and gave them like a kind of like marching orders. Oh, gotcha. Like this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. So, I mean, it's still kind of the same idea, but it yeah. wasn't as mustache twirly. Sure, not quite as expositional, like right to the audience. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. All right. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. I dug this movie. I want to talk about what you read okay. that made you not want to see it. Yeah, I mean, I could probably find some examples. And I, a lot of it, I think, dealt with spoilers, so I probably wouldn't say too much here. Okay, well, let's talk about zone. that in the danger zone. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to spoiler territory? Uh. I would 100% recommend this movie. Okay, sure. Um, this is usually where we rate it as yeah, well. So, yeah, so I'd uh, love to get your rating. Definitely. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 7.8. Okay, it's, that's a good rating. It man. was good, man. Um, like I said, I have a lot of personal bias towards just enjoying these movies quite a bit. I love being so immersed in fantasy and just that deep, deep, fantasy like i was just watching the first lord of the rings yesterday while i oh, ate breakfast just to one. have on great movie so good yeah uh but as a, a purveyor of high fantasy novels for the last 12 13 years of my life uh and just loving everything about high fantasy and just deep deep fiction uh, i love this movie and if you're into the same type of stuff i think you'll dig it uh it's not going to be your favorite movie of all time but it's really cool. It's worth a watch. And the visual effects in the last 20 minutes of the movie are really, really cool. Okay. So Great. You said 7.8. Yeah. Do you think this is, and maybe this is an apples to oranges kind of thing, but do you think this is better? Or do you like this better than Fantastic Beasts? I like Fantastic Beasts better. Okay. Just because there was so much more focus on the creatures. And there was way more of them. Yeah. They were a part of this movie, but they were not the centerpiece like they sure. were in the first one. So just for me, that puts the first one above this one a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not dissimilar to like coming to watch this movie for the magic, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be Fantastic Beast 2.0, it doesn't sound like it is. It deviates a little bit. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. its own movie yeah. in tone and, and overall vibe, but it was yeah. still cool. There wasn't enough, uh, that's probably my main beef, is there yeah. wasn't enough creatures. Right. But there were new ones, and they were really cool, the ones that were there. Any ones that were in the last movie that are in this one? The little furry mole-looking dudes that liked all the uh, the shiny stuff. Oh, yeah. They, that, those, uh, I can't think what that guy was called either, but. Yeah, they were really cool. Yeah. There were more than one? Yeah, there was like four of them. Oh, cool. And uh, Newt actually has like a helper at this point in his suitcase world. Yeah. Where all his animals oh, like are. A, like, a, like a person? Yeah. Oh. It's a chick, and she's like helping him take care of all of them. Like a baby chicken? No, like a female. Oh, okay. Like a chick. Cool, great. Yeah. Like a girl. Yeah. All right. A woman. Got she's it. not a girl. <laughs> Maybe she's not a girl, but she's not yet a woman. Sure. Okay. Little, just the slightest bit of creep in that <laughs> sentence. Just bringing Britney Spears into it. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember that song? Nope. Oh, well, that does make it creepy. We can, we should play that. Well, we'll get, whatever. We can play it for educational yeah. purposes now. Absolutely. We can play it on the break. Yeah, we'll, we'll plug that yeah. in under that. Speaking of which, but yes. Break time? Yeah, let's take a break. We're going to come back with our second and final beer, and we will be spoiling the crimes of Grindelwald. So stick around, and spoilers beware. Young Maxwell, have you been to the Handlebar to eat lately? Yeah, I have. It's really good. I love their food. Their new menu is killer. I'm going to stop calling it new now. I think They've it's like open. a year old. Yeah, yeah. Like their, their remodel is like a year now. Yeah, and it's looking good. Yeah. I like it in there. And they've got a killer happy hour every single day of the week. From 2 to 6 p.m., you're going to get a dollar off any draft beer. That's the best deal in town, if you ask me. It really is. Once again, that's a dollar off any draft beer at the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco, right by your house, because Chico's a small town. So go check them out. The Handlebar. <laughs> Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. It's about to get dangerous. It is. It's dangerous In now. my zone. In Whoa. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show, guys. This is Fresh Up Cinema. Here we are. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers, and we're going to crack our second beer of the evening, afternoon. I guess it's afternoon still. It's just dark out. They don't know um, what time it is. That's right? true, but I like to tell people. I feel like I've said this before. We're about transparency. All that said, Butte County roots run deep, forested hills, winding rivers, towering pines, mighty oaks, and even mightier people. It's our home. And in the aftermath of the campfire, the most destructive wildfire in California history, we will rebuild. This IPA was brewed to support those impacted by the campfire in Butte. United we stand. This is the Resilience IPA from Sierra Nevada. Also, incidentally, not this particular one, but... This beer will be brewed and is being brewed by many, many, many other breweries mm -hmm. around the country. Some, do you know the number? 
I uh, heard over sixteen hundred. Yeah. Okay. I heard some. I heard fourteen. So that's great. It's even on the rise. So I'm very excited. Um, Me I was too. given this can, uh, and I will explain more later. But first, would you please pour that and uh, maybe talk a little bit? If you have you tried other versions of this, have you had this version of this? I have not. Okay. Neither. Neither case. <clears throat> Correct. Okay. Well, I was able to try uh, Secret Trails version. They came, they released it the day before Sierra Nevada put theirs out, um, and it was very good. It's real hoppy, um, real drinkable. I don't know the ABV on this one. I meant to say it. Do you see it on the can there somewhere? I will find it. Um, but it was super good, and I'm excited to try Sierra Nevada's version because uh, the recipe did come from them, and they've distributed it to other breweries. Um, I have heard that it is essentially their celebration IPA with, uh, instead of their Centennial hops, mostly Lupulin hops. Uh, which is something that Johnny and I are both fans of, so I'm mm-hmm. very stoked. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, 6.7 on the uh, alcohol. On the resilience? Yeah. Nice. Kinda, okay, I'm six, seven. to see what celebration is. Yeah, I think it's like right in that wheelhouse, dude. Yeah. It's uh, I can. It's 6.8. Yeah, okay. celebration is 6.8. <clears throat> yeah, definitely right in that wheelhouse. So uh, your initial reaction here, uh, we've poured these into our usual three to four ounce tulip glasses. Okay. For tasting. Yeah, okay. It's good. Yeah, what is your reaction typically to most Sierra Nevada beers? Yeah, all right. Yeah, same. Uh, I love Torpedo. Um, I hate Torpedo. Though lately, like, I've kind of been getting burnt out. It's been a few years that it's been kind of my go-to, or uh, what do they call it, extra IPA. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so lately, less so. But, like, Pale Ale is a solid beer. It's available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been completely <clears throat> obsessed with Hot Bullet. Hot Bullet's a great one, too. so good. It's, a, it's an 8%. That's a crazy one. It's problematic if you drink a six-pack of that, though. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Which I did the other night. Sure. But but it was probably fun at yeah, the time. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this beer, which I don't know if you mentioned or not, was uh, all of the profits oh, yeah. and proceeds of this beer are going to the Campfire Relief Fund, which is really cool. Yeah. I was just trying to find some more stuff on that. I was going to see if I can find a brewery list, but I know there's some really reputable... Um, and famous breweries um, doing Dude, this. Pretty much a lot of them, like all all the famous ones you could think of. Yeah, it's like great. I know, like Great Notion got on board. Um, God, there's there's, there's there's a ton. We could go through the list, but it would take like seriously the rest of the show. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm stoked, man. I'm gonna if you want to, uh, you could read some of this. I'm just pulling up their website here. Um, here's a whole list of the wholesalers. Um, but what I wanted to pull up is the description here. Um, and I'm just going to pour myself a little bit and maybe have a taste. So if you want to explore any of that or whatever you want to talk about, it's up to you. All right. So uh, let's see what they say here. When the campfire started in the hills above our Chico Brewery on November 8th, uh, 2018, it soon became the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California history. The fire burned more than 153,000 acres, killed at least 85 people, and destroyed more than 13,000 homes. Many of our employees and community members were severely impacted by this tragic event. Uh, in the days following the fire, we announced plans to brew Resilience Butte County Proud IPA, uh, a fundraiser for the Campfire Relief. We committed to brewing the beer and donating 100% of the sales to the Sierra Nevada Campfire Relief Fund aimed at a long-term community rebuilding support. Uh, and we asked every brewery in the country to do it with us. So they sent out the bat signal. <clears throat> they called all their friends in the beer industry, which, as we all know, is a very tightly knit community. Uh, and they asked our supp- their suppliers to donate ingredients, asked other breweries, their competitors, to donate their time and labor and cost, uh, and asked their wholesalers and retailers to carry the beer for free. Uh, it was a big task, uh, and it was a big thing to ask. Uh, they would never and could never have anticipated the response. More than 1,400 breweries signed up to brew resilience. Our suppliers donated ingredients to every brewery nationwide. Wholesalers and retailers agreed to carry the beer and donate every dollar they received. All of them agreed to do this for free to benefit people they had never met. That's nuts. And you said all all the the pro, like all the proceeds, not just the profits. It sounds like every everything. Yeah, it's what it sounded like. Which is wild. I mean, it says here um, they're scheduled uh, by by now, which is mid December, more than seventeen thousand barrels, which equates to about four point two million pints. Which I think between the people. A, that drink craft beer regularly, and the people that have hearts will drink all that beer. Mm-hmm. So that's great news, man. I mean, yeah, we've we've talked, obviously, about the impact that this fire has had on people. Um, we are more fortunate. We both have our homes, but mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't. So I, the point is, I feel very good drinking this beer, and it's going to affect my score. Me too, man. I actually really do like this. It's um, No, it's and, really good. But in the same way, like, um, if I could uh, separate myself kind of from the... Um, 
not that I don't, I don't think I should necessarily, but if I was to separate myself from the context socially, it's a, it's a solid beer. It's really like, good. I'd be yeah. happy to drink this regardless. Yeah. It's, it's not a nine or a 10 for me, but it's real good. Mm-hmm. But just knowing where the money is going towards and knowing what it was made for and the sense of solidarity that has been felt by the brewing industry. And I know people that have lost their homes that were really touched by this, that like people all over that don't know them, that have no reason to care are like losing money to help them out. And it's really cool, man. I know this has been a very, very strong point of encouragement for a lot of my friends that are in the craft beer world that lost everything yeah knowing that these people care about you it it's craft beer really is a family you know i mean it's it's a thing that brings people together socially uh for entertainment for some professionally or for uh, solidarity or for solidarity it it can be a powerful thing and it's really really heartwarming to see such good things achieved with beer and sierra nevada is totally badass for doing this and the hugest hugest shout out and all the respect in the world to them for pulling this off yeah because not many breweries could do or, that or would or would yeah but could you know not many breweries have the pull to be like hey 1400 breweries across the united yeah, states let's make a beer and not make any money off of it to help these people i think it's a testament to well like you're saying like the craft beer industry in general and the vibe of just the community but also like the weight that sierra nevada has as one of the og craft breweries in yeah. america like when they speak up people around the country listen yeah. in terms of breweries yeah. um so i was saying if i could separate myself from the social context of this it would still be low but but i think like you were saying earlier experiencing beer is like it's about also like where you are in life and what the day is like and what the mood you're in and same as anything so i i, I think it's it's wrong to take this out of context and i think given the context and the well-madeness of this beer i am going to give it like a nine five seriously i'm um, giving it a ten. Oh yeah I just going to for drink it this by myself because i know i was going to cry the first time are I you did. crying yeah oh buddy i love this beer it's it's a good beer man let me i'm gonna get a little bit more in here and so are you and then we're gonna cheers and you're making me tear up you son of a bitch uh yeah well cheers to this shit cheers man, man. okay beer so go out and get some resilience if you can everybody it's uh it's going towards a good cause obviously uh and it helps helps people out that, yeah, man. that maybe need it yep buy the shirts too the shirts are really cool yeah i'm actually yeah. um nobody i know in my family listens to this so they're getting yeah, those sure. for christmas great That's i'm shipping awesome. them all over <laughs> Uh, well, great. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about doing this beer on the podcast, and yeah. that's why. Because I was wondering. Yeah, you brought over the celebration. I was like, hey, I got a resilience we could just do yeah. instead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it means a lot. I mean, <clears throat> I considered Paradise my hometown. Yeah. I grew up there and spent over 20 years there. Every house I have any memories in with friends and stuff is lost. So it means a lot that people care this much, and uh, the sense of community that I've felt over the last month in this county, in this town, and... <clears throat> It's just good, man. Yeah. It's really, really good. And I love it. And I love this beer. It's a 10. How can you not give it a 10? Respect. All right, fine. It's a 10, too. Yeah. Yeah. It can't not be a 10, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mad respect to all of this and to people. Yeah. And I'm totally going to buy more of this, too. Yeah. And they're brewing it again. They just announced that they're doing a whole nother batch of it because it sold out in their- Did it. In their- gift shop. Yeah. They sold something like 2,000 cases- Damn, dude. In the first, like, weekend. So- yeah, it's well, awesome. It, yeah, I think so. I don't know who else if there's anybody else in town brewing it, but Secret Trails was very good. Mm-hmm. This is very good. Um, this is a good thing. Yeah, I know Fieldwork did it. Yep. I know a bunch of Sacramento breweries did it, and uh, there's some other breweries coming with theirs in December. Cool. I have some inside information. Some nice. breweries that might have been Sierra Nevada's stiffest competition, both beer wise and legally. Oh yeah. So. More to come on that. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> well, okay. Uh, that's Resilience. Butte County Strong IPA. Buy uh, it. Love it. Buy it, yeah. And uh, be excellent to each other. So Fantastic Beasts? It's not even called Fantastic Beasts, is it? It's just called Harry Potter. Is it I even called it, Harry Potter? No, it's called it's Fantastic called- Beasts. Is it? <clears throat> yeah. I thought it was just called Crimes of Grindelwald. No, it's it's Fantastic right. Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay, great. So... You had a couple questions for me. Yeah, I just wanted to get into it a little bit more uh, about what you might have read that kept you from being sure. fired up to see it. And also, I understand a big part of you not seeing it is the convenience factor. But let's talk about the critics that you read that maybe impacted that decision. Sure. So so I think 
the three things that affected me the most in not seeing this movie was one, the timing of this week. I've, like I said, watched a bunch of movies. I've probably seen like six or seven new movies this week in the past seven days. Um, and some of them are bummers. And I've like, like, I think probably a third of those were not good and I was hoping they would be. So I was a little bit burnt out Two was the perspective you have offered in the past that sometimes the show is a little bit more compelling when it's more of a question and answer type thing. I think it is fun. And then three is that I have read some things that made me not super stoked okay. from critics that I respect. And, and a lot of those things were not like, this is the worst movie ever made. Don't waste your time. It's like, this movie is perfectly fine. Like if you don't really read into it and if you don't care about subtlety or anything that the other movie set up. So I, I think just the combination of those three things made me, um, also I've made a habit the past couple of weeks of staying up really late, uh, been getting up at like 11 or noon because <laughs> I've been staying up to like three or four. I've had gigs and then, um, Gianna's work schedule has been different. We've been having our friend Tim live with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> he sometimes works late. So it all kind of factors in. And, you know, there's just something beautiful about waking up in the morning and not having to get out of bed and then cuddling with cats and a dog. Yeah, that's an ideal day. So I spent this morning instead kind of reading about the movie, um, making coffee, that sort of thing. I made a, a really nice Spanish rice chicken dish that I enjoyed for lunch while watching the number 23. All right. Another movie I started watching. <laughs> um, so in general, um, I, I don't think I, I will probably see this movie when it comes out. I'm not going to rush to the theater to see it. Um, but other than that, it's that's I think... That's those are my reasons. I don't know that there's anything outside of that All necessarily. Right. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I w- I was just curious if there was like some points of contention that I could dispute. I don't think so. I mean, okay. like just oh, just more overarching stuff. Yeah, which is fine. And I think a lot of it is just taste based. Um, like just some of the heavy handedness with what it sounds like Grindelwald's kind of um, agenda was. Um, sure. It just feels very a kind of Hitlery and almost Trumpian today, mm. like with immigrants and like a little, um, yeah. And I can't speak to that necessarily cause I haven't seen it, but yeah. Um, but again, like the thing that I was saying in the beginning is really loving the magic of the, the beasts and mm-hmm. some of the fun magic kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and like, it just seemed kind of like a bummer of a movie, like seemed really dark. Like mm. it seemed like jumping from Harry Potter one to Harry Potter seven, just like boom. And I wasn't ready yeah. for it. <clears throat> Final battle, all dark. Also, I'm real jaded towards like, franchising right now yeah i don't like when i heard there's gonna be three more movies i was like like i don't know between long-running sagas and remakes i'm just kind of spent and like trying to explore more indie films and avant-garde stuff and i don't know i'm i'm a little bit um yeah i guess jaded towards unoriginality right now not that this isn't original because there's not really anything like the harry potter films coming Mm -hmm. in mainstream stuff right now but i don't know it just feels derivative to me at this point a little bit Hmm. Um, and since I was watching all these other films, I just didn't think I had it in me. That's fair. <laughs> so you're basically saying, fuck you, nerd. No, not necessarily. <laughs> no, I think that's going to, I mean, it's kind of always been like that though. Like I like different things than you. And I think I am maybe more prone to like a broad, like not broad release, like a wide release cheesy movie or like yeah. so, something like this. Yeah. Like I knew I was going <clears> to <throat> like it going into it. The only question was how much, and sure. I wasn't thinking critically about it. Right. So I, the, the TLDR is maybe that I think too long I, didn't read. I didn't know what that meant until a couple months ago. I assumed somebody <laughs> listening was like, "What the fuck did you say?" The uh, too long didn't read. Yeah, is that I, I like to think less than you about movies. Yeah, maybe I like to experience them and not put too much thought into them, and yeah. then <clears> I like <throat> to reflect after I see a movie. But yeah. like, if you suggest a movie and you're like, "This is super thought provoking and cool." I just won't read about it. I'll just watch it yeah. and then be like, but you know what you're going into. Yeah. Like, you know, you're gonna have to think a little bit. I think that's probably fair. My thing is I'm way more prone to reading reviews after I've seen a movie. I, and which I think is probably the correct way to do it. Um, not probably. That is definitely like, you don't want to be biased going in. Like yeah. you should just experience it. Like I love to listen to uh pop culture happy hour when they cover a movie that we cover, mm-hmm. but I can't listen to it before yeah. oh, we li- record. I listened to their episode on widows, by the way. Yeah. We talked about that last week. I stole a couple things from them because I knew that they'd have more insight than I did. Sure. But I, your main gripe was like, they, you felt like they were, I correct me if I'm wrong, but felt like they were, um, they couldn't criticize the movie because yeah. it was um, almost in the climate that we're in, like felt maybe as though it would be criticizing not the acting and not the plot, but like actually criticizing women. And, yeah. Um, and I actually didn't get that vibe too much, but there were moments where I was like, 
All right, you guys, it feels like you're being a little bit too generous. Although Stephen Thompson was the only one that dissented ever. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I feel like maybe all these plot lines weren't tied up perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, dude, that's what I'm saying. I know. Good for you for speaking up. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but there was definitely, like, just the fact that he was the only one dissenting about anything. Yeah. You know, there were flaws with that movie. We all know it. Like, yeah, but then that's like they also talked about the difference between the average viewer and critics, which is very pertinent to our conversation right now. Like, yeah, critics loved that movie, and most viewers thought it was not amazing. Mm. Um, so I think to, to my testament a little bit, I'm on the side of the average viewer when it comes to that movie. It was fine. Yeah, like, it was, you know, I liked it. Yeah, that's no problems though. That's a good example, like you said, of how you maybe differ from. Critics yeah, a little. But a lot of the time I do identify with a lot of them because I think I do try to be a little more heady about movies that I see. I think you want to be. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I've cultivated my viewing experience around the idea that I want to um, gear it towards watching more, not necessarily intellectual films, but f- like not just uh, cotton candy. I watched movies. Cox Blockers this morning. Cox Blockers is actually a <laughs> decent movie. Dude, it was, right? <clears throat> it um, did not suck. We talked about that on the show and we had, we were comparing it to another movie. I didn't see it. This is the first time I've seen it. No, I mentioned it. We talked about a movie, and I referenced Cockblockers as like a bad version of the movie we had seen. Okay. And I can't, oh, it was um, it was eighth grade. Okay. Because Cockblockers is all about like kind of the resolution of that is about like the dynamics between parent and child, right? Mm. Um, and I had said on the eighth grade episode that I think eighth grade did a really good job of dealing with like a multi layered or multifaceted kind of relationship between the father and the daughter, where Cockblockers kind of um, spread that out into like five different relationships and gave them all like one dimension, like the clingy mother mm-hmm. or the strong dad that doesn't want his daughter messed with. Like, yeah. And I think that said, like a mainstream comedy movie, I think it did a fine, it was funny. And like those, the cast is good. Yeah. Um, not a, not a terrible movie. No, I don't think, but yeah, I think that's the difference between you and me. And I think yeah. that's part of what makes this podcast. Sure. Good. It's like, I'll go watch a movie with The Rock in it and be like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like for me, the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about this difference in our sensibilities is Jurassic Park. Jurassic World? The, the newest Jurassic World. Yeah. Which I loved. <laughs> Did you really love Dude, it? It was so good. I thought you agreed it was bad. Yeah, but I still loved it. That <coughs> okay. was the whole sure. point of that. I It's a terrible movie that I really liked. I like some terrible movies. I just have to know that the movie knows that it's terrible. Like The Meg, that shark movie yeah. that came out. Love that movie because it knows that it's insane. Yeah, but Jurassic World. For, this is my argument at the time. Like, it's it's a it's a terrible movie that thinks it's good, and like I can't take it seriously, but it's taking itself seriously. So it's like I think any movie that's that like far out and silly, like whether they the fact that they take themselves more seriously makes it more silly and amazing. Well, to us for sure, but like for me, like the intention is kind of what matters too. Mm. Like they're not able to laugh at themselves, probably. Like if well, that's the difference between like an A list movie and a B movie, sure. of that same caliber. Like yeah. a B movie knows it's not good, yeah. But what makes a truly entertaining, funny experience is when an A movie thinks it's good and it's completely well. Yeah, but I, I guess that's the difference of like laughing at something or laughing with something. Totally. And like your experience generally is better if you're laughing together. Like I'm laughing at Jurassic World, but yeah. I'm laughing with um, the, Meg. the Meg. Yeah, sure. But I it, when it comes to silly movies like that, I enjoy both. Especially That's and you can it, enjoy them. That's fine. But by that same time, no, I mean like the laughing. Yeah. I enjoy laughing yes. like that in both ways. Like the Meg was just so silly and over the top. You're laughing with it, whereas like I'm laughing at Chris Pratt right. being ridiculous, trying to, to take himself seriously. To that extent, you should also enjoy Justice League though, because another movie like a bad movie that thought it was good, like tried to be good, d- didn't try to like. <clears throat> there were intense moments in or what were directed as intense moments in Justice League same as Jurassic World I think that movie was bad in so many different fucking ways different though. ways but 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 by the same crime I would say but that like, movie's just <clears throat> bad bad I, that's what I'm saying of Jurassic World though like I'm saying it's also bad bad and this, this is what you're saying to your point this is where we differ like, yeah, yeah but I think like Jurassic World was bad bad but I got a kick out of it because okay. it was entertaining and I love dinosaurs alright yeah but like that uh, uh, Justice League was bad, bad, and the and characters like were them. bad, and I just didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's so fair. that I think it just really uh, simmers down to personal preference of bad movies. Yeah, so I think why this conversation works, and I don't mean this particular, I mean in general, an overarching umbrella of like our conversation works, is because um, you and I can both admit that Justice League is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. 
or we can both agree that Jurassic World is a bad movie and whether you and I enjoy it is irrelevant. I think when people say, no, Jurassic World is an amazing movie, that's your, I just think like, I, there's no compromise there for me. It's you're wrong. It's yeah. not a good. It's a crowning achievement. Yeah, like, film. It's not like, or even Justice League, Jurassic World, um, Robin Hood, uh, any fucking other movie that we've done. Like there's one thing to say you enjoy a bad movie. There's another thing to say you think a bad movie is good. Yeah. And I think there's no conversation to be had there a lot of the time. That's outside of trying to sway somebody's opinion, which is not a conversation. It's a debate. And that's not what I'm trying to do. Exactly. Okay. Let's end on that. That feels good. That's a great thought. I love it. Uh, If you're going to be around next week, our next episode drops on Christmas day. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now that we're going to talk about our favorite movies of the year. And we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas songs. Oh, I'm so excited. Stick around for that. Yeah. um, So until next week, find us on all the social medias. Uh, newly all, untapped yeah we're on untapped yep. follow us at fresh op cinema mm-hmm. facebook instagram twitter um max's That's, personal facebook sure, uh, his not? address is <clears throat> yeah <laughs> no. yeah find us in all those places interact with us buy some of these beers drink them get at us we love to hear from you until then i am johnny summers i am max minardi and we hope you have a an amazing week that's right we'll see you, next see time. you on christmas goodbye This is Fresh Hop Cinema.